pitiful. Theme song in three, two, one. And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Episode 242 of the show. This week, we got another special uh, thing going on for you. He says that he's reading emails. <laughs> This is an interview I had with the very lovely, the very talented, the very smart Michelle Ortiz. Uh, if I could just find the, uh, if I could just find the email, okay, the, displaying what we're talking about. Michelle Ortiz is a, a very funny comedian and actress from uh, the Hulu series The Fool. It's a very funny show about a uh, a gentleman working and uh, living and working in South Central LA. And he works at a, he uh, has a, a non-profit, I guess, I guess, I don't know, a company where he helps reform um, people who have been to jail. Uh, and it's a, it's a very offbeat comedy, very, very enjoyable, very easy breezy thing to watch. You can watch it on Hulu. Michelle Ortiz plays his on-again, off-again girlfriend. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, I mean, uh, that's the show. That's The Fool. It's It's a very light um uh half hour sitcom is the word i was looking for what are the words i was looking for now michelle uh, reason not one of the reasons not the reason i want to talk to her but one of the reasons was she was on the uh revival of mad tv the the one season revival of mad tv which uh, she brought up during conversation uh and it was we talked we talked about that it was a uh it's a good it was a good experience for her and she had a nice time uh, it was very nice for me to hear somebody talk about the the I probably the second most forgotten season of uh, that show. Not to be like an insult or anything, but people forgot Mad TV came back, and I say second most forgotten because I think that last season definitely probably wasn't uh, wasn't as watched. Um, but uh, I love Mad TV. I grew up with it, and so it was nice to have somebody from the family. She got to meet all the a lot of the the big names from that show, like Will Sasso and. Uh, Nicole and uh, Deborah and uh, I'm on a first name basis with a lot of them, so it's good, it's good, it's good to see. Uh, she was also in Agents of Shield, uh, a, a show that I love. Not Agents of Shield, I don't watch that crap. But uh, Netflix is I think you should leave. Uh, she was on uh, 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 the show uh, Mr. Mom, which I believe, I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, was a show that was on. Uh, uh, let me see. Voodoo. Let me see. I'm going to double check this. I think it was on Voodoo uh, or IMDb TV. It's one of those. Oh, no, it was it, it was it was it was on a, it was on a streaming service. Streaming play, Voodoo it was on Voodoo. The, the with Hayes MacArthur. Listen to this cast. Hayes MacArthur, Andrea Anders, <laughs> Seth Morris. Like this, like <laughs> these are people, you know, by name. You're like, why? Why were they on a voodoo show? But hey, it happened, and they got paid. They were paid, and there you go. She was also on Netflix, Hentified, uh, which I've spoken to a couple of people from that show as well. Uh, Life and Pieces, Mom, Be Positive, Tacoma FD, Mr. Corman, all, I don't think Mr. Corman's a comedy, but all, <laughs> all mostly comedies. Uh, 
<laughs> Mr. Corbin and Agents of Shield, not a comedy. Um, I do want to go back. I feel like I insulted Agents of Shield. <laughs> I did. I did watch when I was when I was into the superhero movies and stuff. I did watch that one of one of the episodes that tied in with Winter Soldier, um, and that's the end of that. <laughs> I go back to hating it. She's also in a couple of Star Wars uh, video games, including Star Wars Squadrons and Star Wars: The Old Republic. I, uh, you know, Michelle, I hate, I, I hate to say this, I, I don't say this about uh, people often uh, that I interview, but she has a great, uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, versatile voice, and I think that uh, in the years to come, she will be one of the the voices you'll hear. You know, when you hear like Tris McNeil. Is that that? Tress Tress McNeil on The Simpsons, uh, which is a show I watch every single day, which is a fact. Uh, You that is she is somebody like that. She will definitely be somebody who you go, oh, oh, that was Michelle. Okay, cool. Oh, Michelle, awesome. Oh, no, Michelle. So there you go. All right, that's enough of that. (laughs) Uh, Coming up next, you will hear Michelle and uh, my conversation. Hey, if you want to check out The Fool, then you can check it out there on um, uh, Hulu. It's also, uh, I think the season has ended. I think the first season has ended. So, and I, uh, I am unsure. I think it's coming back. It's a very funny show. Check it out. It's very funny. I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, you can follow Michelle on Instagram at Michelle Ortiz. Follow her on Twitter, XO Michelleio. <laughs> is that? Please let this be her. Uh, I believe it is her Twitter. I don't think she's tweeted for a long time. So definitely check out the Instagram. The Instagram is the thing that is moving and grooving. Uh, you can see Michelle do uh, 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 comedy stuff on television. Watch for her. Trust me, she will be uh, a, a, a big name when it comes to voice acting. All right, so here we here we go. Here's my, oh, uh, what is this for? What am I doing? C plus comedy. Yeah, stay tuned for the rest of the podcast. All right, bye. Here we go. I, I, I know this fool. I know that show. And uh, it was it's exciting to sit down with anybody from a show that I know. So I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Awesome. Did you how how far how far in are you? I am exactly two episodes in. So, oh man okay, okay. <laughs> look if there's if there's anything big going on with your character you got to tell me now because i cannot handle it at all <laughs> well i'm in seven out of ten i'm not in two five and six so i can't wait yeah. for you to get to the finale okay it, yeah it's a it's a it's a very funny show and it's very well built for streaming i mean quite i was thinking uh especially when i was watching the pilot like had it not been for the advent of streaming i don't think this show would exist like this show and uh, Reservation Dogs. They're both uh, amazing shows starring brown people about brown people, and they're funny and they make you think. And uh, without streaming, they probably wouldn't even have made it to cable. So I'm I'm glad that they both exist. Yeah, shout out Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> shout out Hulu. How yeah. uh, how was making how was making uh, this fool? Was it? I mean, it seemed like it. You know, uh, it was around the L.A. neighborhoods and and uh, it seems like it was pretty run and gun. The script is very funny and everybody just seems natural on camera. So how was it for you? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, um, Chris Estrada and Frankie Quinones are both stand ups. Um, the showrunners uh, had a show on Comedy Central called Corporate. They're also stand ups. So that's why I think the show lends itself to such great writing. And the show is about 
Chris is it's based off of Chris's actual life. Um, a lot of the jokes are taking straight from his standup. So that's why it feels so authentic. And uh, a lot of the locations were shot in South Central and around LA. I think we did some in Highland Park, but um, we also did some on the CBS lot. So Maggie's apartment, Julio's house, um, those were stages. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Dream come true. I mean, we had Michael Imperioli for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you uh, grow up in that type of environment around uh, anybody who came out of, out of prison and, and trying to rehabilitate their lifestyles? No, not in my family. I mean, I am from, I was born in Highland Park, uh, you know, grew up pretty broke, but we moved around a lot. So I also spent a lot of time in Orange County. And then I finished high school in Tucson, Arizona. So I've I'm the princess of the Southwest. Um, but no, I I know that there's one specific episode. Uh, dang, I don't remember what episode it is. But there's one episode that Frankie Quinones, he, I believe his character is based off of a cousin, one of his cousins in real life. So there was a lot of inspiration taken from both Chris and Frankie's real life. Oh, good. That's that's very Yeah. interesting. I uh I always I, I think it's good to to draw from uh, real life, obviously, because it's the easiest thing to do, but uh, to take from someone's real life and, and have to act through it. Uh, did you did you have to did you were you able to put any input into Maggie at all? Because she seems like you seem pretty well lived into that character as far as I can I can see like she, she seems pretty fun and easygoing, especially if she steals a car. Uh, yeah, yeah, easygoing. Um, I mean, it's definitely an homage to like my 12 year old emo self. Um, I had a lot of input in the look of the character. Um, the character is based off of a variety of Chris's ex-girlfriends. But the guys were very collaborative in the fact where they did let me I, I showed up to set with the red hair <laughs> um, and uh, they let me do the Betty page bangs. I came in hot with my mood boards because um, at, in the initial audition test callback, Chris did mention that he's like, yeah, you know, she's, she's a real girl, but she, she might've listened to punk. She's kind of that vibe. I was like, okay, let's take that even further. So in that sense, it was pretty collaborative and on set. Like I, if I didn't, if I was able to change lines and if I didn't, I didn't feel like Maggie would say something this way. Hmm. I was able to change it. What uh, I want to go back to that to the audition process. Did it did it feel like you had this one in the bag ahead of time? Because sometimes people just they they you know they're iffy about it and they keep getting called back and they go, I guess I got the job. But for you, did you did you seem like you were already in it uh, by the time they called you back the first time? Well, when I got, so, I mean, we're still auditioning remotely. So it was just like any other self-tape during pilot season. But when I got the script, I did, I do remember having that feeling of like, Ooh, even if I don't get this, I know I'm going to have a lot of fun prepping this because I don't think anyone else is going to do it the way I'm going to do it. And luckily it worked out. <laughs> so in, in some ways, yeah, I also had that feeling. I recently did a play at the Geffen and I kind of had that feeling with that role as well which doesn't happen often that doesn't happen with every project every project especially as you know when you're still first starting out you're like oh god is this going to change my life i really hope i get it but on those sometimes sometimes when i'm like hmm even if i don't get this i'm gonna have a great time preparing this that's usually the ones i end up booking so yeah 
<laughs> I think maybe I did think I had it in the bag. That's good. Uh, yeah. spe- speaking of your self tapes, I saw a lot of, uh, I don't know if they were real self tapes, but the stuff on your Instagram, the very funny, the character, the character based stuff in front of the, uh, uh the the green oh sheet. those those are just characters that those were character bits that weren't used on mad tv so mm. uh so i just posted them during quarantine just because i was like the people need their content <laughs> so i so i released them yeah so those were all characters that um either i had pitched or had been working on that didn't make it onto mad tv mm. i you know i still I, I grew up with mad tv and um uh in fact that was my my trajectory for uh, to get to SNL was uh, to watch SNL. Rather, I'm not I'm not on SNL. If, if you can tell, I'm not on it right now. You're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. You would notice an extra black person on there. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I I watched you know all that, and then I watched Mad TV, and then my sister was like, my sister introduced me to Mad TV like it's the adult all that, and then yeah, and, and then I remember seeing uh, SNL for the first time, and I went, "They're doing this live. It doesn't make sense. They need to do pre-tape stuff like on Mad TV." <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad to have a, a Mad TV uh, person uh, come come and, and talk to me. It's uh, that show. I'm glad it got a second chance. I know it was ill-fated, but uh, you know, it just it they tried, you know, everybody tried. And uh, I, I love, I live for sketch comedy uh, anywhere, essentially. You know, the, you know, I'm not a fan of any reboot. Like, let's just focus on like original content and give mm. the little guy a shot. I feel like we were kind of doomed just because we were on the CW. Who's our audience? Like even what was even more frustrating about that was that there was no money for publicity. So we didn't even get a billboard. So even like the diehard Mad TV fans that are on like Reddit and on those like Mad TV Reddit threads, they didn't even know it was on. So I think we were kind of doomed from the beginning, but it was a dream come true. I also was like, when I was a kid, I would switch from Mad TV to SNL, all that. I was a huge fan. Amanda Bynes show. I was Mm -hmm. always a fan of sketch. Then Mad TV got canceled. I was like, okay, I guess I'll try for SNL. Then the opportunity for Mad TV happened and I was like, what? So that was like a dream. That was a resurrected dream that came <laughs> to fruition. Um, but yeah, I had a blast. I mean, that's one one thing to check off the list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, uh, you were, I mean, essentially that's one of the most prominent uh, s- sketch shows uh, of the past, you know, 20, 30, 20 years. It's, it's 2022 of the, the past 30 years. Uh, that show SNL and then you know like uh, 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 other shows that live in that same well and live in color I mean so oh yeah you got at least you got to do it um I wanted to touch on the uh was it King Liz that's what you did at the Geffen yeah yeah that, yep. how how was that experience I am fascinated by people doing plays uh whether they be comedic or even like musicals or dramatic just how how was that for you as somebody who is an actor uh, striding to be in that elevation of theater actor. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a dream come true. I'd always wanted to do a show at the Geffen. I really wanted to do it because I wanted to see if I could, I had that eight show a week stamina. And I don't know if I do. I don't know if it was a musical. I don't know how I would, I probably wouldn't speak in between shows. That's how intense it is. Um, but it was, it, I mean, theater is so different from film you know, you're doing 20 takes of the same thing. And, you know, in a live show, you only got one shot. So yeah. um, 
yeah, no, I love both equally. And I, my original goal was Broadway after college, but there was no way I could afford to move to New York. Um, so somehow I was like, oh, I'll just try to become a TV name and I'll go backwards as if that's easier. Uh, <laughs> so we're on the path. But yeah, it was amazing. Um, King Liz, it's a contemporary play. It's more of a dramedy. I was the comedic relief, of course. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a it was a blast. The the eight shows a week that is so great. Like when, especially when somebody who is like Hugh Jackman, when Hugh Jackman says, "I'm going to be doing Music Man for four months," I go, "Really? You don't want to do a movie for a month and a half, and then I know. do that for like three days a week?" I I, it, that's, that's insane. How long did you do King Liz for? I think we were just like, two, uh, I think it was like two months, maybe a month and a half. So it was like wow. four weeks, four week rehearsal process. And then like a month and a half of shows. Yeah. So yeah, very short run. And mm. even that was exhausting. And, and what, what was the, uh, I don't know how uh, you do your lines. So I'm going to call it memorization. So how yeah. was that memorization like? Uh, versus television like yeah and 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 doing sketch you gotta you gotta hit these exact spots every single night versus on tv you hit that spot maybe 10 times for a one take or something right and and you get and so and how how was that i mean it depends on the type of director you have because some directors are open to a lot of improvisation and ad-libbing the really cool well i guess it's both for for theater and film it's like no matter how many times you do it, theater once a night, film 50 takes in one day, you have to find a new nuanced and subtle way of giving that same line, that same dialogue, different life. Mm-hmm. Um, what's What was great about doing the show is that I got to go on my character's journey linearly from beginning to end. And it's funny watching when I finally got to see this full, I think my first day of set the first thing that we shot was the hiking scene in episode seven or eight. So Chris and I already had to have all this like built in chemistry of being high school sweethearts. Um, So that's, I guess the challenge also Mm -hmm. is shooting out of order with film. Yeah. But the the memorization process is the same, you know, I, I try to be memorized before rehearsal just so that like I can be in the moment and make new things happen. Uh, But yeah, it's the same. When you were uh, for the for the for King Liz, was it did you have a script for the four weeks of rehearsal like with you on hand as you got as you all were walking through stage direction and everything? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You walk you you got your you've got your script in hand the whole time through blocking your writing, mm-hmm. your blocking because the blocking is going to change depending, you know, once we're in the theater. But like, for example, on Mad TV with sketch, I remember there was some sketch some when we would we would tape the live sketches on friday night and sometimes they would add brand new sketches day of and i would have the script underneath the table like in the scene so it was just like a taste of i'm sure what snl is like because they go really they're they change things moment to moment yeah i i would love you know i i like the play finding the nuance uh, in every different scene, in every different uh, take, even for something that's recorded, yeah, uh, I I love I love that idea because I was I just saw the weekend uh, here in Atlanta, and uh, prior to me going to the show, I looked at his set list for that night. That looked yeah. at the set list, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. I looked at the set list in the future. It's the same set list for every single city, and yeah. I just think, I, yeah, I love those songs, but 
Jesus Christ, I can't, I can't like, I couldn't be a singer and sing Blinding Lights for 46 nights in a row. But the cool thing about that is that no matter, depending on what city he is, he's in, he's going to feed off of the audience's energy. So maybe mm -hmm. Blinding Lights isn't like the favorite song. It's going to like give it different energy into the next song. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's very true. Uh, do you sing at all? Do you have uh, any singing prowess in you? I do. I do. Um, I've auditioned for a lot of, uh, gotten close to a lot of movie musicals. So that's in the cards. Okay. Yeah. That's I, good. I even came close a couple of years back to being the Blues Clues host. <laughs> when they were looking for a new Blues Clues host, I don't really play guitar, mm -hmm. but I kind of faked my way and played like a Cat Power song for the audition. Wow. <laughs> I was like, here's my alternative pop rock song and he and then toss the guitar aside here's my musical theater song <laughs> i only knew i only knew how to play that one cat power song <laughs> that, hey you know what as like imagine if the uh if the casting director was like a huge like npr fan like i love cat power like oh my god yeah play us another one uh, i don't know yeah. about that uh yeah. and i also saw on your imdb very very prolific uh it's the uh your all the voice acting you do that's like I the you you got to be able to to have those uh those pipes lubricated ready to go at all points yeah what is it uh we baby bears you've done a couple of Star yeah. Wars games that's that's sensational I I uh did you always uh, I know I know Broadway was the you know moving to New York that was the idea but uh your first voice acting gig did you did that open up a whole different world for you. You know, I tried getting a voiceover agent really early on. I thought that being bilingual would automatically like get me rep. Like I was like, I'm down to do Old Navy in Espanol, like all those commercial, like radio commercials. But it was really hard to, it was really hard to break in. I didn't get an agent until after Mad TV. Hmm. I'd always wanted to do animation since I was a kid. I I had fabricated this idea in my mind that I would be the first Latina Disney princess. Um, luckily we have one, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'd always wanted to do animation. And the great thing about animation is you go into the booth and you may not necessarily have a scene partner with you. So you're creating the world, fabricating that imagination in this like dark booth all by yourself. It's like a different high. Yeah. I, you, you have the energy to do so, you know, based on the things I've seen that you have the energy in order to even play off yourself or even play off yeah. the, the uh, director reading something to you. I think that's a, that's a very good skill to have. And uh, it's, uh, you got a good voice. So, so keep, I'm telling you, keep it, keep it up, kid. You're going. Thanks, places. man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, also what's really nerve wracking and hard is like with the star Wars stuff, Sometimes they don't send you the script till the day of. Mm. So you're looking at it in the booth for like maybe the second time. And the director, you know, is just giving you notes, direction, guidance. But um that's some of the that's some of the most difficult voiceover work I've done since I've started. Wow. And yeah. what how how soon from recording to it being put in the game? Like were you late in development of that game? Yes, but the I I was but I do have the visual on a screen but so they've already worked on the graphics and stuff um but from the time I recorded to it coming out it was probably like a year hmm. yeah animation takes a while or video game yeah yeah they do animation takes a while as well I uh, yeah <laughs> I right now I I'm I work for the company that makes We Baby Bears 
And, oh, no uh, way. Yeah, we've been talking about it since I was hired. We've been talking about it for, you know, as oh, my long God. Ever. Right. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it's that that has nothing to do with this. I do on this side. I just want to get that across to David Zaslov. If he's listening, I know he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't pull me off HBO Max. Um, uh, <laughs> what what is uh, I, the so the voiceover uh, thing? I the first Latina princess, that'd be a fantastic feat in film form. I know we have one in television form. Um, what who is who is uh, any any voice actresses or any voice actors, excuse me, any voice actors that uh, you look up to and in, uh, in terms of how they do their work? Because I think I think Tom Kenny's a fantastic, fantastic voice guy. He's amazing. He's amazing. Um, I, you know what? I didn't really educate myself with voice actors until I started doing it. So like Tara Strong is unbeatable. Mm -hmm. She can do anything and no wonder she gets hired so much because she, she can switch. She had the control she has over her voice is unreal. Yeah. Like from Tommy Pickles to Bubbles to i think she's what is she she's not batgirl supergirl batgirl harley quinn oh my god yeah i mean she's the one to look up to yeah that's uh, she's definitely somebody i think anyone could aspire to i i watch a lot of animation and i think that once you get to a point where i can i can like see you in the booth as you're voicing, like I can lose you. I can be lost in the character, but I can also see you in the booth. I think that's like, you made it up there. That's uh, it's when your voice is like, cannot be separated from your body. That's, that's, that's great. That's so fantastic. Oh, to see. Yeah. That's an think, interesting way of seeing it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, you know, just the next time you see uh, something that Tara's in, for instance, just close your eyes and then you can like, or if you've ever seen her in the booth, like do, do the job, then yeah. uh, it's, it's it's brand it's it's mind altering. It's crazy. I I love that type of stuff. So would you ever want to get back into doing uh, plays? You know, since the TV stuff is popping off. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goal is still it's still Broadway, one hundred percent. I just I guess my background. I in I started singing classical opera in high school, and I like studied it in college. So I don't know. I just always thought I was going to be this big serious dramatic actress that i don't know did more classical performing arts um <laughs> but i want to do it all yeah no yeah it's good it's good to to be open and have an open mind about this stuff i mean that's what will open up your career to to pretty much any opportunity and it's and also you have to think it's whatever you feel comfortable in you know yeah. you don't have to force yourself to take a role that you don't think you're right for uh, that's why, you know, it's I didn't see King Liz, but if you were as confident as you were in this fool, then hell yeah, the, the sky's the limit for you. You know, you know what, though, now that you bring that up, I actually feel like I tend to do things that make me super uncomfortable, borderline humiliating, because I had never done sketch before I did Mad TV. Um, it was just something that I thought you should do. You should try to have, like, I thought as an actor, you should try to have impressions and characters uh -huh. and you should want to be able to do all genres. So I've just always tried to be prepared for everything. Mm. 
Matt, oh my gosh! I, hearing that you've never done sketch prior to that—that's uh, yeah. you know, you know, I and I I watched that show live. I I saw every single episode, so um, and not I can't say I remember anything. No, no offense to to you guys and your work. Um, I will have to go back and watch because I want to see how how you would how you've done now that I know something. Yeah. Like that. You just got to commit 100%. I mean, growing up, I was so inspired by Alex Borstein, Deborah Wilson, Nicole Sullivan, Nicole Parker, Mo Collins, and they just commit all the way. Mm-hmm. They truly, that's why I feel like when people ask about like, what's the difference between comedy and drama? I don't think there's much of a difference. You just got to commit. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, be, even if it's a five minute sketch, that character is you from that point forward uh, for that show. That was, you met, uh, I think Will Sasso and Nicole Parker were a part of it, right? Yes, Will Sasso, Nicole Parker came back, Deborah Wilson, Ari Spears, Alex Borstein, uh, Bobby Lee. Yeah, not everybody came back, a a couple. Yeah, they would come and guest star. Wow. And how was was meeting them? Was it, was it, uh, did it live up to your expectations? Um, I mean, yeah, my first... My first live sketch was with Nicole Sullivan and Will Sasso. I like couldn't believe it. But in some ways, I kind of feel like that's what was Mad TV's season 15 reboot downfall was that if you're a Mad TV fan, you watch the show, you have the greats coming on to guest star. I want to watch the greats. I don't want to watch these new these new scrubs. Um, So I feel like that also was was a reason that we didn't do so well. Yeah. I think that was also the time period uh, with Vine and Will Sasso was doing those lemon vines. If you remember that. I mean, I remember Vine. I don't remember. I, he, Will's pretty funny on Instagram too. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't follow Will's he, vines. I remember this specifically. He would like put water in his mouth and then like have a lemon in there. And then he would spit the lemon out and water would come out. And it, that was the entire Vine. And that was... <laughs> Did you see during quarantine, he would go on Instagram live and just clap to a random song and then he would have somebody, somebody random join in and then they would just clap to whatever song he was playing for like five minutes and then he would just switch to the next person. It was hilarious. I love that. I love that. That's, that's, I mean, it goes back to your Instagram with you uh, posting those now that I know what they are, the Mad TV Uh. characters. That's, Everybody should be able to just make things every like every creative person make something, put it out there. If it wins, it wins. If it fails, it fails. I, I love that idea so much. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah Do you have uh, you have anything else uh, in store for the rest of the year? Uh, uh <gasps> I do. I have two projects that I'm really excited about, but I can't talk about them because they haven't been announced. Okay. So I'm just going to hold those little secrets to myself until I can. Yeah. But yes, there's some stuff stuff in the works. Okay. That's good. I mean, I look, I love seeing uh, people work. I love seeing people who are good at what they do work. So uh, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye out. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Michelle, this has been so engaging and so fun. I can't believe I got to talk with somebody who was on Mad TV. Ah, thanks, man. It's really nice meeting you. Thank you for having me. All right. You have a wonderful rest of your week. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. And we're back. Welcome back to the show. Uh, let's see. This So this episode was supposed to drop last week. Uh, I actually have an excuse this time rather than not wanting to um, do anything. I was uh, sick. I got a, I got a very bad cold. And it wasn't COVID. It was insane. It was like 
like Friday, I went for a run, and then I came. Like I, I worked out Friday. Actually, I think I woke up not feeling great, but I worked out Friday, went for a run. So I did my requisite three hours. It's not a joke. I worked out for three hours, and then I came back, and I remember not feeling good from that run. And then uh, I remember taking a shower, and I usually go grocery shopping, but I did not. And I remember just sitting at home all day going, oh, I'm just feeling worse and worse. And by Friday night, I was coughing and sneezing and stuff. And I said, this is bad. And then Saturday, uh, unfortunately, I signed up to, to do some volunteer work. <laughs> so I, I had to go through with that. I did the volunteer work and I got home and then it was just it was just not good. I, I just was not feeling uh, anything i was not feeling good or anything and then i think midday i took a covid test and i and i and it said negative and i was like okay well i guess i'm not i guess not covid uh but saturday was probably the worst of it and sunday obviously you know i went out and bought um some uh, stuff to help with it uh and then uh and then i had some stuff here and then i drank some tea it was something i drank some oh it was coffee i drank coffee (laughs) i drank tea uh no it was coffee I drank tea on Sunday night, but I drank I drank coffee. I drank a coffee, and and I thought, and that definitely did help because something a little hot because uh, it was chilly, I guess, last week. And then uh, and I've been on a recovery track since Sunday, so that was that. But I was Friday night and Saturday, I would say, after, like all the way into the afternoon, I was just oof, could not do anything. Uh, and then I yeah, so that's why I couldn't uh, put out this interview uh, if uh, Michelle's people are listening. <laughs> I'm not lazy. (laughs) Let's get into this first story. This comes from The Verge, which has been newly redesigned, if you're listening to this the same week uh, that The Verge has been uh, redesigned Friday the 16th of September 2022. They actually redesigned it, I think, on Tuesday. Uh, uh, They turn it into uh, a blog-type space, and they said, I remember Neelai Patel, who is, I guess, the owner and senior editor, he said, um, if, if it means... We like we stop sitting around and debating whether or not a story should be written, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, and written, and um, and then we like miss the deadline or whatever, uh, and uh, and we have to link out to a different source, then so be it, you know, which is which is I guess a very noble thing to do, because not not everything needs to be its own headline or own story on your own website. Like if you can if if Wall Street Journal has the new has the all of the pertinent information and you are just reiterating and then at the bottom you have two paragraphs with uh, the you know this is how this is what led to it and then this is what led to that leading to that so uh, that I mean I worked in the news I know how this stuff works and I've always I always hated when I was at NBC uh, at our local affiliate I was they would always like like somebody like a, a, another station would talk about you know, they would have an exclusive on, uh, a f- like a, like not even a fire. It would be something like, well, a fire. They have like an exclusive on a fire, like a fire happened and the 2300 block of, um, of, uh, this street. And then they would have all the detail or like, you know, it'd be like somebody's running for, for mayor. And then like, they have all the details and then you'd have to follow up with that. Not with like the, com- the competitors, thing but you have to follow up the competitor source essentially and go like okay if it's the fire then go talk to the to the pio chief of that of the station near them and then that the chief doesn't want to talk to people i think i've talked to it before but the chief doesn't want to talk to people they're like what 
yes, there was a fire. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> I well, I can't tell you anything else. I mean, that's it. Or like uh, somebody was running for mayor, like, yeah, that's all true. And then, <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously you have to come up with your own question for it, but uh, does it really make sense? So, no, it does not. I don't know why I turned on these headphones. I usually keep them off. Uh, anyway, uh, fun. this is not a fun fact. Well, I don't have a video game headset. And we're, we're bouncing around topics. I don't have a video game headset. I use these headphones uh, that I took from the job I was laid off from. I have these Bose QC35s, uh, first generation, not the second generation. Those cheap punks. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, and, and when I play video games, I plug them in directly into the uh, PS5 controller, the Xbox One controller, not, never the Switch. I've never used headphones on the Switch. And I remember when the Switch came out, and I promise we'll get to this first story. They, they did not have Bluetooth at, on it. And people were like, it's got a Bluetooth chip in it to, co- to connect with the Joy-Cons. Why don't they, why don't they allow for you to uh, have like Bluetooth headphones? And then people were like, well, it's latency, blah, blah, blah. And then like a year later, Nintendo activated the Bluetooth chip and now you can use Bluetooth headphones. Uh, so it's it just, that's such a stupid thing for Nintendo to like, oh God, we can't use this Bluetooth chip. We've got to like <laughs> Like, what is that going to do? Uh, anyway, I use these uh, I use these when I game. I used it last night uh, trying to uh, chip through a game that I'm quite frankly sick of that I've already beaten before, but I'm trying to beat. Again, uh, not for trophies or achievements or anything, but because I bought it twice. It was for the 360 and then it was for the... It's, it's GTA V. Uh, and then I bought it on Xbox One. And then they released... Of, they did not update the Xbox One version or the PS4 version. If you have a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, uh, they re-released it on PS5 and Xbox Series X. Completely different game. And all they did was update, I guess, like the frames per second and the graphics and that's it, which is ridiculous. Which is insane because other games such as Cyberpunk and The Witcher 3 and now Dragon Ball Z Kakarot uh, will be will be or are, are in the midst of or already have updated their Xbox One or PS4 games for the PS5 and Xbox Series X to to basically be those to be those definitive versions. That's ridiculous. Rockstar is uh, it's just I will be amazed if GTA 6 is any better than GTA 5 uh, in terms of single player uh, and not ruining the online community. And I don't play games online. But they see the money is coming from online. Anyway, not a video game podcast. Let's get on to the story from The Verge written by David Pierce. Amazon actually pulled off its first big deal football game. Last night was Thursday Night Football for the first time on Amazon. Amazon bought the rights uh, from NBC, uh, and they were supposed to start next year for next season. But that's that idea went away, and they said, we're going to do it this season. I believe that's what happened. It was about a billion dollars for exclusive rights. That means on NBC last night, they played something else. I, th- I believe it was reruns of uh, Law & Order, SVU and uh, the rest of the Law & Order universe, um, which is saying something. That, like Thursday Night Football, I think, is synonymous with broadcast. Excuse me. Football. Sports are synonymous with broadcast. And it's so, uh, especially with, you know, baseball is limited. Uh, excuse me, not baseball. F- uh, uh, football is limited, and then when you look at baseball, when you look at soccer, those you know, baseball they play like 156 games, uh, or baseball matches. <laughs> they play they play 156 games 
per year and I and or per season rather. And it is like if Apple buying the rights to some baseball games, Peacock having the rights to some baseball games, ESPN having the rights to some games, and then the and then the rest being spread out over, you know, Fox Sports One and 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 every other uh, TBS and everything. I go, okay, there's 156 games. There's, you know, 30, 40, some odd, I don't know how many teams there are in baseball. There's, there's a lot, there's so many teams, tens and tens of teams, that you will have your fill either way. You can watch Los Angeles and Atlanta. You can watch New York and New York. You can watch, uh, <laughs> you can watch, you can watch anybody and have a night and have a, a decent time. Uh, but for football, there's a finite amount of games. And it's what what feels like a finite amount of games. And that when when they're in the limelight, their publicized is a big thing. When it's Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, and now Saturday night football. Those are huge. And then there's the day games. Then Christmas and the holidays and all that stuff. Uh so for for this to be on streaming now, I think is a huge, huge, huge deal. And not only is it a huge deal, but where Apple faltered, and I think is still faltering with Apple TV and uh, Friday Night Baseball games, Amazon Prime really took it out of the park. And I can say that because I watched a minimum five minutes of that game last night. Looking, there's the Amazon the Amazon app, the Prime Video app, and I hate to give them credit because it is they just updated it. And uh, before it was the one I, I would say the crappiest app, but now they just updated and it's a and it's a decent app to work with, especially on Chromecast or Google TV, where it was just piss poor. Uh, but now it's now it's something to work with. But they use their X-ray technology to show you stats, to show you replays, to show you everything inside that app while the game is still going on. So on the on the bottom half. Uh, I'm going to show you the timer that I'm working with. On the bottom half of the screen was stats, and on the top half was the video of the game. And you can turn it landscape if you don't want to watch that. They had uh, the regular Thursday night broadcast uh, with Al Michaels and, uh, uh, you know, who who else was with Al Michaels? Uh, I'm sorry, this is embarrassing because he left. Uh, they had Al Michaels, and I forgot who was Al Michaels. Uh, and then Carissa Thompson was also there. She wasn't commentating, but she was there. <laughs> pregame shows um and and it just everything works smoothly if and and for the most part you know i didn't hear about there i didn't get an email about uh slowing slowdowns or crashing or anything it really really worked they uh apple uh, not apple amazon really is throwing their force behind it there's there's uh there's a prime logo obviously as 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 one should be prime logo in the in the video there were uh uh, the 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 air, the logo from Amazon was was all over the place. The, there were promotional segments from Audible. There was talking about Alexa. Uh, you know, like uh, ask Alexa who asked who who did the thing. I mean, we see those in regular broadcasts too. I mean, now that those things are existing, but whatever. Anyway, Amazon Prime, holy cow, did a good job. Uh, there were a lot of ads apparently. I didn't. I, I did. I did. I did come across an ad break when I when I realized. Oh, Thursday night football's on. It was like eight thirty or nine o'clock, and I was like, "Let me check this out." It was nine o'clock because that was a bit. Uh, while I heard people outside partying, <laughs> don't you people work on Friday? Oh, uh, good. 
Uh, this is uh, David wrote here. Is that his name? I forgot. I completely because I was just on a tangent. Pierce. <laughs> Mr. Pierce, yes. Uh, Mr. Pierce added that, uh, let's see. Uh, Amazon keeps saying its views in NFL investment. It views its NFL investment as a long game, one that would ultimately be much bigger than ad revenue. It clearly wants Prime to grow more than it needs a few uh, more than it needs a few. What? It clearly wants Prime to grow more than it needs a few more of T-Mobile and oh, Chipotle's ad dollars. And then they concluded this tweet, a stunning amount from uh, Roger Sherman, a stunning amount of the ads on Amazon Prime are for Amazon Prime, a service I'm paying for <laughs> to watch ads, which is, yeah, they did have a lot of ads for that uh, uh, for themselves. But it was good. I, uh, I, then they also had alternate, alternate broadcasts for, um, like, like ESPN does alternate broadcasts uh, that were born out of the pandemic, but now that we have this technology and now that we need more programming. Uh, like ESPN has the Manning cast on Monday Night Football. They have they had uh, an alternate broad Amazon had an alternate broadcast featuring Dude Perfect, Dude Perfect at YouTube Sensations, the Christian White YouTube Sensations <laughs> from Texas, at their facility in Texas doing uh, some type of uh, events while watching the game live, which is very cool. They won't be in every single one, and uh, I I think they're gonna have multiple different acts for their alternate broadcast but it worked it was fast enough for me to bounce around between it um uh i i enjoyed my time with it i don't it seems like people were in and out of it and al michaels gave uh uh as always really good at what he does amazon 14 more games. They have 14 more games. So we will see where this heads. I do believe that you know they they could do more Amazon stuff. What like include a buy button for you know whatever pops up on screen, but thank goodness they didn't do that. I think the game should be. I think the idea should be that the game comes first. Nothing should interrupt the game. It, like once once they have too many ads, I think people will talk about that stuff. Once you know something overtakes the stats, people are gonna get mad, but. Next time I'll check it out on uh, TV, um, like I should have <laughs> instead of my phone. <laughs> I feel guilty for not looking on the on TV. Hey, this next one comes from Wall Street Journal, written by Jessica Tunkel. What a great name! Paramount considers discontinuing Showtime streaming service merging with Paramount Plus. Now this has since been not refuted, but a little bit rebuttaled by the uh, main man himself in charge of uh, Paramount. Uh, uh, so here's here's so here's the here's the gel here's the skinny. Paramount Global, a couple of weeks ago, just launched the Showtime Hub on Paramount Plus, for lack of a better term. You can still get Showtime outside of Paramount Plus. You can still get Showtime with your cable provider. You can still get Showtime on YouTube TV, Apple channels, Amazon channels, wherever you want to get Showtime. However, if you have the Paramount Plus app and you want Showtime and you don't want to use two apps, you can just pay for Showtime within Paramount Plus and get them both for essentially a reduced price of $12 right now. That ends October 12th. I believe it'll go up to 15 at the end of that promotion. Uh, as well as it'll be $12 um, for the foreseeable future or until Paramount, uh, Paramount Global goes. Uh, we should raise the price on that. Which is a true thing that these companies do. The idea is for people who want both of those to just be able to access Showtime within 
the Paramount Plus app versus uh, going off to the Showtime app uh, itself. Okay, great idea. Now, they're, they're mulling the idea that uh, Showtime should just be folded. Not Showtime the name, not Showtime the company, but Showtime the app should just be folded and everything should be available in the Paramount Plus app, which is the next logical step. Now, it's not something that I, I mean, I'm, I'm back and forth on all this and it's not, neither here nor there, but <laughs> it is here. <laughs> but the idea is that uh, you can be able to watch Paramount, I mean, uh, Showtime stuff on your, on your Paramount stuff. Uh, and then I believe uh, Bob Backish is the guy. Bob Backish. Yes, Bob Backish. Uh, or a Spurks person. I remember he said that. I think it was Bob Baggish came out and said, those were just rumors. We're always focused on the show on Showtime name and blah, blah, blah. Uh, however, I think that, I, I, I mean, at this point, you, you might as well, everybody's kind of tooting their own horn when it comes to that stuff. And, uh, oh, I saw, uh, we'll get into some Disney stuff later, but I was cycling yesterday. So yesterday, September 15th, 2022, I was watching CNBC as I usually do. And, uh, I saw a crawl that said, um, Bob, uh, Chapek, too many friggin' Bobs, uh, <laughs> said Hulu and Disney plus would eventually the Hulu stuff would roll into Disney plus. Uh, and I'd have found articles on it. Let's go to deadline. Cause deadlines. Are for, whoa, 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 whoa. Two days ago. Oh, Bloomberg. Okay. Bloomberg. All right. <laughs> I can't get into Bloomberg. I'll go into a uh, Hollywood reporter. So this part, this one comes from Hollywood reporter written by J. Clara Chan. My good friend, uh, Chapek says Comcast would need to offer quote, reasonable terms for Disney to, Oh wait, this is a whole different thing. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Comcast, the Comcast people have hinted at, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, at buying out Hulu. And then Bob Chapek's like, uh, hey, if you if you want to buy Hulu, we got we to gotta be able to, to say what's up. Oh, wait, hold on. This is, this is yeah, this is basically the same thing. Um, so, uh, but JPEG also did insi- ins- insinuate that, uh, quote, we have, we'd have to have full ownership of Hulu to integrate in Disney+. Plus. That's the only thing stopping them at this point. Uh, from, from pulling everything off of Hulu, essentially from destroying Hulu and loading everything up on Disney+. Plus. Um, and then the same thing, you know, HBO Max is going to go on Discovery+. Plus. Um, in fact, I think those are the worst ideas. <laughs> All right, you're going to roll everything into everything fine. It needs to happen the opposite way. Discovery Plus it needs to go into HBO Max. And then uh, Disney Plus, they just updated the app this week, at least. I don't know. I think. I don't know. At least the play bar is different. Because uh, streaming, because uh, fast forwarding is way more difficult. Uh, but it is. <sighs> Disney Plus and Discovery Plus are not the better apps. Uh, Hulu. Hulu feels like you're watching TV. It feels like you're, it feels like the next iteration of TV. It feels like you're choosing what to watch next. It feels like like I am looking through a library of stuff. Versus on Disney Plus, I'm there for six specific reasons. I'm going to watch The Simpsons. I'm going to watch uh, the movie with the squirrel that has superpowers. I'm going to watch uh, uh, one more thing: Chippendale, Rescue Rangers. Um, and it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Hulu has more discovery versus for Disney plus I'm offered the same things all the time. I'm offered the same Simpsons shorts. Uh, 
I'm offered the same throwback cartoons. And yeah, it's because that's the stuff I watch. But, you know, I watched an episode of um, She-Hulk. I'm offered, because you watch She-Hulk, here's some other Marvel stuff. But that, that that's not really tuning into who I am. Who I am as a person. Uh-oh, Marlon Brando's here. No, no I lost it. Do you know uh, Robert De Niro is married to two black women? It's very true. I've been thinking about it for the past couple of weeks. It's amazing. It's amazing what you find out about people. He's only been married twice. He's been married to two different black women. <laughs> Good for you, man. Uh, I have so much respect for him now. So that's the that's the merge talk. I think next year we'll find. And you know we'll even continue off of this. Uh, this comes from the Hollywood Reporter, written by Kim Masters. Warner Bros. Discovery has bigger problems than its DC search. Listen, I work for the company. I would love to keep my job. They're going through layoffs right now. Uh, I enjoy. I I, I I don't agree with everything that's happening, <laughs> but I love the company. I want to continue working for them. That being said, uh, this is uh, obviously this is an article about the DC fiasco where they had to, or they didn't have to, where Batgirl was written off and now it's in a vault somewhere and uh, uh, uh Black, you know, Black Adam and, and Shazam and every and everything was going to be moved around. And, and Walter Hamada, the guy who uh, Ray Fisher doesn't like, was so irate at Batgirl being uh, canned that uh, he was going to leave the company. Uh, and, and now, and also, you know, David Zaslav is trying to find their uh, 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 Marvel guy. Kevin Feige. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, I got an email and I and I and I looked over at my phone and then I, I, uh, oh, the Phantom of the Opera is closing. Anyway, and now and 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 then and then people were like, uh, well, DC's fragmented. You know, J.J. Abrams, Zack Snyder, Todd Phillips—they all have their own different takes on DC and and all this stuff. I th- but I think the. There's a lot of stuff that could happen with uh, DC, with Warner Bros. Uh, Discovery and DC at this point. But what is hinted at by Ms. Clara Chan in this uh, 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 article, in this piece, it's a feature piece. It's not an article, it's in this feature piece, is uh, that there are several possibilities of what could happen, not with just DC, but with Warner Bros. Discovery. There was a letter. There was a letter of due diligence from a due diligence firm on behalf of an unspecified client asking for his evaluation of, uh, of, of, of excuse me, of a former exec's evaluation of uh, Zaslov's leadership style, David Zaslov's leadership style, strategic plans and likelihood of success. Now, this all points to these various possibilities, which include. Uh, a potential acquirer digging around a dissident shareholder sniffing for weakness a hedge fund trying to place a bet, and many more. What Claire Chan gets into in the in the later part of this is that even Warner Bros. Discovery is not up is is uh, is not um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, not beyond a merger of its own. <laughs> yes, still going through the throes of a merger. The company could happen 
with another merger or some type of negotiation, uh, like a debt relief of something at some point within the next year. Those talks can start April 2024. At that point, Chan writes, many industry observers believe that Comcast Brian Roberts will make a long way to move looking to combine NBC Universal and Warner Bros. Discovery. That's too big. Now, that is that's too big. That's that's Disney, Fox, and uh excuse me, Disney, 20th Century, and you know, Amazon. <laughs> that's too that's way too much. That's way too much. That's way too big. Uh they did meet Roberts and NBCU uh, CEO Jeff Shell met with Zaslov and board member John Malone during the Allen & Co. gathering in Sun Valley last July, but given the rules against plotting any combination, that was no doubt just a friendly get-together. The, it's, it's, I mean, it's very possible another merger could be in, in effect. Um, but going back to NBC Universal, uh, if anything, I think that... Oh, and then also there's a there's a this is a there's a line here that I I love that I, that like it is the reason I chose. Oh, it's not this one, is it? Uh, is it this one? Let's see. There's one of them. One of them. One of the one article in here says something so funny about Peacock. Okay, um, so here's uh, so if any this is if NBC Universal and Warner Bros Discovery uh, formed uh, a different a new company together. That deal would face some interesting antitrust issues. Uh, but would give his company scale and a viable streaming service. Obviously, Peacock sucks, says one exec with knowledge of both companies. <laughs> Peacock does suck. Peacock is not a good streaming service. It's, it is uh, when Amazon Prime. No, Peacock was worse than Prime uh, before that update. Uh, I think Peacock is so hard to get around, and they they just updated it themselves. But it's not updated on. Uh, iPad, which I'm pointing to right here, which is uh, right here as the soundboard, or my phone, which is what you saw as the timer. Um, it is, uh, but I mean, but it's true. So NBC Universal is pulling stuff off of Hulu. They still have that st- Comcast still has that stake in Hulu. What could possibly happen? What I see happening? Because uh, a merger will not happen. I do see a partnership of some sort. I do see maybe, possibly NBC Universal stuff being loaded onto uh, uh, Hulu, on HBO Max. Um, perhaps MB, uh, they, they go, okay, the NBC Universal, NBCU, I'll just say, NBCU will go, we'll take some of the brunt uh, of some of your losses and, and, uh, and, we'll, and we'll re-up and we'll throw some money in on HBO Max or Discovery Plus, whatever the main platform tends to, is going to be. And, and then you'll see some Law and Order. You'll see uh, Night Court. You'll see, uh, which I've been, re- I've been re-watching Night Court. It's a fantastic show. You'll see some Cheers. Not Cheers. Cheers is Paramount. Uh, but you'll see, no, Cheers is on Hulu though. Yeah. No, it's not. They took it off. All right. Uh, but you'll see, so, you'll see some NBCU stuff, uh, Parks and Rec, pop up on HBO Max or whatever. All right, that is if they just, if Comcast says we're done with Hulu. I don't think that's going to happen. That is one possibility. Uh, I do see a partnership. I don't think I truly do not believe a merger is going to happen. If a merger happens, I will I'll be flabbergasted. But NBC Universal is not in the superhero game, and perhaps they want to help out with the DC stuff. Uh, will will Warner Bros. Discovery get rid of DC? I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think they need a Kevin Feige figure. I do think that. It would be best if the company uh, continued on because obviously 
the connected world stuff isn't working out for them. As much as I love Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I which um, I believe DC execs have since come back and said that it was a waste of time. They shouldn't have released it. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, I, like I'm not joking. That is like a seriously one of my favorite superhero movies. And you know what? Uh, but I also enjoyed. I did enjoy No Way Home. I'm thinking about that now. I did enjoy No Way Home. Uh, so yeah, I I enjoyed I enjoyed all that stuff. Uh, not all of it. <laughs> there's there's lots of what I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed Shazam. You know, I might go see Black Adam. I enjoyed. She-Hulk, episode one. <laughs> She-Hulk episode one is great. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance it out. <laughs> Marvel and DC stuff. I mean, it's all the same. It's all the same, and I'm tired. <laughs> but I don't think everything needs to be connected. I, I, Joker and the Joker movie and the Batman both separately did fantastically. And they did. They don't live in each other's worlds. They live in separate worlds. Zack Snyder's Justice League did, I think, well because it was talked about after the fact, and uh, it and it was an auteur. It felt like an auteur's film. I'm, I'm not joking. It felt like an auteur's film. Uh, uh, and same thing goes for Spider-Man: No Way Home. You know, without uh, Doctor Strange, it it, it could have been just a, an insular Spider-Man movie that dealt with the Spider Verse, multiverse, or whatever. Anyway, I need to watch another Marvel superhero movie. I, first of all, I need to watch another superhero movie because I don't think I can, I can recall anything. We don't. We just don't need to connect the worlds. I think, you know, if I were Zaslov and I just bought uh, Warner Brothers, and and they tried this connected world thing, I would go, okay, well, you know. Shazam, Black Adam, Wonder Woman, that mainline stuff, that can work over there. But we can also introduce this kind of offbeat stuff that includes Joker and the Batman. I think I, I think uh, audiences, you, you know, the thing is like confusion. They like they don't want to confuse people. And that goes for Marvel as well. That goes for every single movie studio. They don't want to confuse people. So you can't have multiple, uh, 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 you know, Superhero, you can have multiple Superman, Superman movies. You can't have uh, multiple James Bonds at the same time, uh, which wouldn't make sense. <laughs> but the thing is, it all doesn't matter. I think people are smart enough to go, okay, well, Ben Affleck's Batman is in this world, and Robert Pattinson's Batman in this world, and then, you know, even for those uh, Marvel uh, Netflix shows where they refuse to acknowledge the uh, the the movies uh they could go oh okay well that charlie cox's daredevil did that and then but now charlie cox's daredevil is on this part of the you know in, in the disney plus shows it is it's, it's all it's all the same it's all the same it doesn't matter whatever uh all i'm saying is uh zaslav put me in charge baby i'm already part of the company i'm a company man put me in charge i slide on in there okay these last few let's do this this comes from the Vo- Vox. This comes from Vox. Read by Peter Kafka, why Disney didn't buy Twitter. At one point, Disney was interested in buying Twitter when uh, Robert Iger was in charge. In his 2019 memoir, he said the boards of both Disney and Twitter had agreed to the deal. But then he had second thoughts because Twitter is nasty. 
Twitter has nastiness and it's rampant and he's true and correct. In Iger's own words, he said, we weren't uh, intent on going into the streaming business. We needed a technology solution. We have all this great IP. I'm skipping ahead. Uh, five years, $500 million. It wasn't the money. It was the time because the world was changing fast. And at the same time, we heard that Twitter was contemplating a sale. What would have happened if Disney bought Twitter? Like what? Like they would, I mean, they would use the technology to promote Disney stuff, but uh, what would have happened on January 6th? Well, I know Bob Chapek would have been excited. <laughs> anyway, I don't think, I don't think a Disney Twitter thing would have been uh, relevant or prevalent. And in fact, I think they would have done the same thing they did with Vice. Uh, is they would devalue it and then uh, sell it. That's exactly what would have happened. Now, moving on, discontinue with Disney. Written by Cynthia Littleton over at Variety, Bob Chapek talks Disney, Disney, excuse me, Disney Plus, ESPN, and Hulu future, and hints at hard bundle integration to come. That's what I was talking about before. Uh, here's a, uh, it's an interview after uh, um, D23, and they're talking about expanding and and uh, and continually making Disney movies and shows and IP and and really bringing everything into the Disney world. So uh, he Chapek essentially says that 2023 is going to be, you know, this essentially they couldn't do anything during the pandemic. So you're essentially going to see this 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 exploding cascade of Disney IP. They're talking about metrics with Disney Plus and the streaming businesses and everything and how they know more now than they have ever known before and how COVID really affected them. So the first hundred years, basically, of Disney were more expansive, uh, were, were pretty expansive, but now these next hundred are going to be just insane. Uh, so they're, they're going to leverage Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, ESPN, ABC, everything to make sure that Disney is everywhere. They're not going to spin off ESPN as one investor had called for and then that investor said that they didn't want, they didn't think that's a good idea in the first place uh they they will be doing something with ESPN though uh i mean you know if anything i think just fold ESPN plus into hulu but i know i understand that they, that some people just want to watch ESPN i don't know why you would just do that but whatever uh, and, as, and fold ESPN Plus into Hulu, not fold ESPN. Just fold ESPN Plus into Hulu. Because ESPN Plus as an app uh, sucks. Comcast still owns 33% of Hulu. Uh, they're going to be talking about that uh, timetable buyout. Discussions have still been going on for that as well, for negotiations. Uh, again, I think Hulu should be a promised land and little and should not have to worry about stuff like this. Coming up, this comes from The Wrap, written by Brandon Katz. Meow, meow. <laughs> CBS launches a new initiative to provide more TV roles for performers with disabilities. This is just like uh, uh, CBS's, or Paramount, no, CBS, CBS's diversity initiative from a couple of years ago. CBS announced Thursday its Performers with Disabilities Talent Initiative is going to be happening. Starting in this 2022-2023 broadcast season. Uh, a couple of years ago, CBS... <laughs> sorry, I saw, saw a little, uh, saw a little uh, furball in the co corner of my eye. And it was just, I was like, the heck is she doing? 
she chew she ate something on my charger on my uh, uh my USB C charger for my phone for the Galaxy S twenty one Ultra. <laughs> anyway, a couple years ago, uh, CBS took took effect, and uh, and you know, quite frankly, I I believe it's working. They said that for their I I don't know if it's just reality shows, but for oh, for for their shows, they're doing fifty percent. Uh, casting for people of color, which is fantastic. Um, and and now they're going to be doing the same thing, not 50%, but they're going to be doing the same thing for uh, people with, for actors with uh, disabilities. Um, that is such a huge step. And I'm so glad they're doing it. I'm so glad they're announcing it. Because uh, often people, actors with disabilities seem to go uh, unnoticed. You know, we hear people. We know you know hear people complain like, "Oh, there's no queer things, there's no black things, there's no Asian things." Uh, uh, but now, people with uh, different disabilities are going to be able to. Do we say differently able? Do we say disabilities? I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble. No one listens to the show anyway. But now we're going to be able to see these people more on television. You know, I I saw. There's an episode of Claws uh, where Jen Lyon, uh, I believe that's her name, Jen Lyon, the gorgeous Jen Lyon. Uh, is it Jen Lyons or Jen Lyon? Nope. Jen Lyons is an author. I don't know. <laughs> Claws. I'm just going to search Claws. Yeah, it's Jen Lyon. Jen Lyon and uh, the man that plays her husband, uh, Bryce, uh, Kevin Rankin. The, I, I remember that there was a scene where they're sitting in uh, their house and I, I think like their lawyer was in a wheelchair and the lawyer said something and the, the lawyer left the scene and uh, the only way that they, like they didn't have to do this, but they, they addressed that the lawyer was at a, he also you don't have to address anything, but the lawyer was in a wheelchair by when the lawyer uh, rolled out of there for like a better term. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, they followed, they followed him like, like, uh, by slow, like by like rolling their bodies along with it. It was a very, it was a very funny joke. Um, and it wasn't at anybody's expense. It was just like, that's how they, they followed him. Anyway, now we get to see differently people. There's, there's going to include, uh, uh, the initiative includes some, uh, uh, advancement programs for careers, casting one-on-one acting workshops, open calls. Uh, there's going to be a yearly open call in advance, uh, of each pilot season, that's good for just for for people with different abilities, and I love this. I love this. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing the narrative that uh, everybody can, like everybody, connect. We can have more queer people. We can have more colored people. We can have more differently able people. The only, the only, the only beings we need to not have are those friggin' aliens from Planet Gleekthorpe. Hold for applause. And stop. <laughs> Let's keep doing this. That was way too long of a pause. <laughs> Let's keep doing this. Bring people to the forefront. All right. Uh, I'm going to save this one for next week. Listen, that's it. I got to save this one for next week because it is a bigger one than I thought it was going to be. Because I don't think I was going to have any new stories. But here we are. We have so many stories. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where I've got more interviews, more news times coming out. I promise you they will be coming out. They're, they're all planned. They're all planned, and they'll all just go up, no editing 
at all. It's going to be cold open, theme song, episode. That's it. <laughs> and I promise I'll be back on track. Uh, to, if you want to see a video version of this show, youtube.com slash comedy. See me sitting in a shirt I bought from TJ Maxx. <laughs> I think I used that last week too. Or last time too. You can see, uh, also if you want to see the video version, you can see um, two of the same boxes that are, I think, probably 10 feet from each other. I'm in a wedding next week, and I had to buy a suit because I'm a, I'm a uh, groomsman. And uh, the pants didn't fit because I got some thick thighs, baby. And, uh, and now i got to return one of these uh, pants. In fact, i got to go pick up the other one from the tailor. Any hoosers. None of your business. Uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Seaples Comedy. Oh, also on YouTube.com, so Seaples Comedy is Newstime, our premiere show. It's like Disney, not Disney. It's like Disney. <laughs> the Daily Show, except less funny. Take one topic, talk about it. Uh, but and, and jokes are in there. <laughs> and usually it's written, but for the past eight months, hasn't been written. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, at Seabless Comedy. Me on Twitter, Instagram, at Chad Black, White, Black, White, Chad Black White. Like us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends about this show. Hey, if you, if you, hey, listen, if you, if you, uh, if you are a, a, an agent or a publicist, rather, uh, reach out to me. I'll interview a client. If they're good at what they do. Yeah, you know what I mean? Knows I'm throwing out there. All right, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Bye.